0: Systematic My guest this week is Georgia Dow. She's a psychotherapist, a writer, a speaker, and a podcaster. You can find a lot of her stuff through uh, iMore. Uh, how's it going, Georgia?
1: It's going well. It's going well.
0: It's, uh, you do a lot. Is, it, is, is iMore safe to call a central point?
1: Is a point uh, for sure, and um, probably where I got my my start in. Definitely where I got my start in technology. Um, so that's where. I, and I used to do a lot more writing for I'more. Um, now I'm I'm really busy, and so I, I don't do as much writing as I would like to.
0: How uh, how many podcasts do you do? <laughs>
1: um, well, there's there's like three like three that I do mainly which would be um i do vector imore and isometric so vector is about culture and technology imore is on apple news isometric is on gaming um consoles and on like portables and uh then i do some some podcasts every once in a while um which would be um like total party kill and uh Sometimes I'm on the FITCAST and um, sometimes I'm on Twitch, some other ones around the way.
0: So y- y- you have a, a wide variety of outlets on different topics. Yes. Your primary focus in your private practice, uh, is that depression and anxiety?
1: Yeah. My specialty now, I used to be a generalist um, and uh, usually, I used to work in a school system. So I worked with kids and parents on parenting and children on, on, you know, issues that they were dealing with. And now I'm specialized in anxiety and depression. And I work in a uh, clinic just treating that for kids and adults.
0: All right. Well, we're going to come back to that in a second as the more serious topic. Uh, I should say, uh, no, serious is a good word. <laughs> in the meantime, I would like to ask you, your website lists you as a two-time Canadian Jiu Jitsu champion. Yes. Now, okay. Does this mean you're a jiu-jitsu champion in Canada, or is there a branch of jujitsu called Canadian jujitsu?
1: <laughs> there is. <laughs> I like that question. Um, no, there is not a branch. There might be a branch. I don't know of it of uh, jujitsu in Canada, but it's just Brazilian jujitsu.
0: Okay. And See, so I was that's... imagining jujitsu, but you didn't actually. You, you apologize after every hit.
1: Right. Right. Which I do, anyways. That's just the way that we, we do jiu-jitsu <laughs> here. We always apologize. We're very polite. Um, even if you tap someone out, you're always like, are you okay? Um, but uh, it was, a you know, I, I was. I'm not reigning <laughs> champion in jiu-jitsu, but um, I used to do a lot of tournaments. And I really enjoyed it. Jiu-jitsu is one of the few sports, It's if, you, if you've if you never heard of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's like wrestling meets Japanese jiu-jitsu, so it's like arm locks, chokes, sleeper chokes, Um, you know, you're using someone's joint against them. And so the cool part about jiu-jitsu in comparison to other martial arts um, that you can do, um, and I've done a lot of them, uh, it's just my thing, (laughs) is that this is one of the few arts that even if you are much smaller and much weaker in physical strength than someone else, if you're more knowledgeable in jiu-jitsu, you truly will beat them.
0: Well, I Not think even a
1: maybe. You just, you'll just you be there.
0: What's the correlation between judo and jiu-jitsu?
1: So ju- jiu-jitsu ta- has taken from Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, the Gracie's jiu-jitsu. Um, they, they took from different styles in order to create a style that they f- they found was, I don't want to say the word better, but more apt for fighting. And so there's elements to it when we, we start standing up. And so you will use... Uh, wrestling and judo and samba throws there to try to take someone down and like the rule to jiu-jitsu is there's no forms like you just if it works use it if it doesn't work for you then don't and so the classes are you start standing up you take the person down to the ground and then you're kind of rolling around and you're each trying to get a better position and control the other person giving them the least amount of options, whereas you get the most amount of options, and then put them into a position where they have to say uncle. And then they tap out. Hmm. And then you're good.
0: So it's kind of, it's like judo mixed with wrestling mixed with chess?
1: Yes, it is. It it really is. It's very much like, like a chess game. Everyone knows the same moves. It's really easy to defend at the beginning. Like you can defend. I think after six about six months of jujitsu, you you could probably be really good at defending many different techniques, and it will take someone a little bit longer in order to submit you. Um, to get really good at it, it's kind of like one of those lifelong things. The longer you do it, the better you get at it, and it's wonderful. Like I think that all women should do. Um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu it's just a fabulous sport it really does protect you on how to use your body if you're in very compromising positions it works highly effectively Um, it's a lot of fun great for physical fitness
0: how is it uh, for for mental health
1: Well, it's a wonderful thing in that one is if you have like anger or frustration or anxiety problems, it teaches you to be calm under pressure. You have to let out your aggression. And everyone leaves humble because you will, when you start off, you will be submitted. Like unless you're already done like maybe wrestling or judo, then you might do really well because you've already been taught many of the skills. But if you've never done any jujitsu, you're going to be submitted and submitted often a lot of times. So it, it creates that way of of ensuring that everyone is very kind and thoughtful even the best of them they go onto the mat and they may be you know champion in their own right and they will be exceptionally humble there because they know that there's always someone that's better or someone that's trained more that's going to catch you on something and so i that's my favorite aspect of jiu-jitsu is that everyone is so thoughtful and considerate not everyone but the great majority (laughs) because they've been submitted just so many times in order to get there
0: yeah i see i can appreciate that it was uh, a conversation with sean blanc who i've always seen as um a very stable together guy and then we talked about his martial arts and it was like that's a big part of why he's able to remain calm and humble but but confident at the same time yes and and yes. i i admire that i actually i envy that to a great extent um I think the the concept you just described probably applies to game design really well. Like, mm. the idea of just, like, when you start a new game and you're just beaten time after time, but you have that right. feeling that you could win. Right. You could, right. so you keep doing it and you just get beaten until you don't anymore.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. I'm still like
0: that with Super Stickman Golf against Dan Franks, Dan Frakes, and <laughs> Rob Griffiths.
1: You see, but that's 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 when you know that you really love a game is when you can be beaten over and over again, and you still want to play, and you're still getting something out of it.
0: And I want to know how, like, in game design. Have you ever like built a game? Or I you have just, never. You play, I do not though? have
1: any coding experience at all except for my kids that play beatbox bitbox which is like bits box which is absolutely amazing for if you want your kids to start to learn like what is it like to code so i watch them but truly no
0: i have to make a note <laughs> of that people i don't have children but people ask me all the time where where do, where, do, where do i start my children
1: it's phenomenal and my six-year-old now um you know, I'm like, well, it would be a better game if, you know, you move the little creature around the screen. And he's like, oh, okay. And he just, like, types in. And then, you know, suddenly it's moving along the screen. It's really pretty cool.
0: It's called BitsBox?
1: Yes. Interesting. Yeah. they get a subscription. They come in. It's um, $20 per month. And they give you a little. Um, so all they have to do, as long as they can type and look at what they're seeing, they type in the code. And then there's, like, stamps that are already there. There's music that's already there. And so they can then use those elements in order to create these little tiny mini-games themselves.
0: Nice. So it's like Minecraft for games.
1: Exactly. That's exactly. Beautiful. And they love it. They have so much fun. And then they, they start to, like, already after, after a month, they already understood certain coding elements of, like, what is the syntax of coding and they they just understood that this is supposed to be a space and this is always supposed to be together. And this is what you do to start a function. And so that was really cool.
0: That is very too. cool. I think, yeah. I mean, when and I, I was getting it. into comp sci, people, uh, it, it was very syntax-based and you learned one language at a time. And right? I realized later that if I had understood the basic, the concepts and then been able to go into a language and say, here's what I want to do, What's the syntax for it? Yes. I would have been way better off.
1: Yes. Yes. And they don't think, see it as, like, they're, they're proud that they, they know some, you know, a little bit of coding, but they just love it. They love it. They have so much fun doing it, though my children have a limited amount of time that they're allowed to spend on video games, so.
0: All right. So well, I'd be like
1: this is their bonus.
0: Jiu Jitsu and, and getting started with programming. That'll be <laughs> yes. that'll be the intro topics. <laughs> That's
1: the intro topics.
0: So all right, depression and anxiety. What what is your uh, background slash qualifications for that uh, specialty?
1: So I started off um, I got my bachelor's in psychology. Um, Then I did a teaching degree in the middle there because I um, thought I wanted to be a teacher. I really enjoyed it. I just uh, didn't really care about curriculum. I wanted everyone to feel better and to be happy. And (laughs) so I said, okay, I'm going to head back to school. And then I did my master's in um, psychotherapy and creative art therapy to work with um, children and families um, and with kids, you know, art therapy, drama therapy is wonderful because, you know, think about going into this room and you have to, the, the focus is on you and you have to talk about it. That's very daunting. Whereas doing art or games or play makes it so much more fun. And then just the thoughts and the issues and the worries just kind of flow out of you. And so that was like a really wonderful, fun experience. And the kids love to come in. And we really enjoyed the time and it was their time. So that was Wonderful. And after that, um, I met an amazing woman uh, named Sandra Reich. And we I met just actually to rent her office, and we got along really, really well. And uh, then I started working, um, being specialized in anxiety and depression. And so um, went straight to that, mostly CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy, and some psychodynamic work. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's just great to be able to help people with concrete tools that you know are going to change their lives for the better and to get to see that every day so it's not depressing dealing with anxiety it's not anxiety producing or depressing dealing with either issues (laughs) because you like the tech we actually know how to help in these um both of these situations depression sometimes more difficult but we have straightforward rules and they they work and they help people live better lives
0: so and, and this is not a judgmental question. It can go either way. But um, do you have personal experience with depression and anxiety?
1: So I'll give I'll give you my stories. And, and um, so it's kind of um, interesting. So two really important stories. So one is that I've had one. I had one panic attack. I was in the hospital. It was after I gave birth. And um, I I was sure I was dying. I wasn't just a little bit sure I was dying. I was 100% sure of dying. Now, I wasn't an anxiety specialist at the time, but I was a therapist. And I said, if I was having a panic attack, I would know it because I'm a therapist. Hence, I must be dying. And so I told the nurse to watch out what's in the little IV bag. Maybe they gave me something I'm allergic to. It was just saline, by the way. <laughs> and I had a full-blown panic attack, um, probably from going off of the Pitocin, which is something that they help to, um, for you to give birth faster. And, um, yeah, it was really probably one of the worst non-threatening experiences I've ever had in my life. So I've had one panic attack, which gave me a lot of empathy for people that have panic attacks really a horrific, horrific thing to have to deal with, like scarring. It was really bad. And um, then after the birth of my first child, I had one day that I was seriously depressed, truly. And I, at the time I was going through um, my schooling, my master's, to become a therapist. And it was a gift to me because it was really serious. It was not like I'm feeling down. It's not I'm feeling low. It was like being in like a well, like a pit and you look up at the whole of the well and all there is is more darkness, you know, like being in a tunnel and there's no end to the tunnel. It was really bad. And I thought this is I this I would not be able to handle for a long period of time. And so I was I think that both of them, though, horrific experiences were really gifts to me in order to have like you read about it in the books. And I think that I was a good therapist before having either of those experiences but I'm definitely a better therapist and with more empathy and understanding for the levels of suffering that we can have to endure. And they can be really like there can be mind blowing amounts of suffering that we can endure. And for long periods of time, that's that's really, really difficult.
0: I think I think that's interesting. And I'm I'm happy to hear that you have, you know, glimpses into
1: you. Ha- you're happy that I went through trauma, Brett. That's so cruel.
0: I, it is cruel, <laughs> but it's like uh, you wouldn't trust uh, a 12 step sponsor that wasn't in the program.
1: Right. Right. And, and yeah.
0: And, and I've had plenty of psychiatrists who have not experienced the disorders they're treating and they do wonderfully because you're looking at the science of it. Yes. Not, you know, you're not fixing someone else based on what you've experienced. That would be asinine. Right. But to be able to relate to what yeah. they're experiencing improves bedside manner so much and patient yes. relationships.
1: Yes. And I think that it, it's, it, I think that for me, it was truly a gift.
0: I, I would agree. So are, are there new methods? Uh, is, has the science changed a lot since you first started studying depression and anxiety?
1: It's funny because, um, like I have my own philosophy with it and, uh, I'm lucky that, that Sandra who, who, you know, taught and, and went through it with me is also an amazing teacher as long as a phenomenal therapist as well. But I do it differently than what I had read in the books. Like, there's just... When you do something every day, all day, like, that's all I do. I see, you know, 30 people on average a week, every single week. After doing that for, like, four, five, six, seven... Like, you do that for so many years. You just end up having your own set of data. And my skill is, like, strategy. Like, I just... You can just see what's going to work for most people versus not. And so... I have like my own way of doing it that is slightly different than what would be taught in books. And I'll be honest, the books don't really do justice to what you're dealing with and how to get out of it. It is that personal experience of going out there. And once you've done something enough, you just become good at it because of that. And, and I really care about helping people live better lives. And so those two things together work really well. But I I kind of have my own mix of CBT and psychodynamic depending on where the wounds came from. So I think that we're kind of like for anxiety more so that there's like things that trigger us that make us like really, really upset or angry really quickly. Those are from wounds, things that have hurt us in the past. Something happened that caused that. And then there's other things that are like blocks Blocks are like things that stop us from moving forward. That might be fear. It might be um, being too perfectionistic, worried of failure, don't want to you know, be abandoned, risk, all of those things. And that kind of like stops us in place. And so once you figure out all the variables, it's almost like debugging a program. Like once you understand every variable to a game, you know how to win at it. And so I try to work with people to help them understand every aspect of themselves. And then they can not let themselves stop themselves
0: i can appreciate that definitely so in your uh, in, in your experiences both learning and in practicing i assume you've you've dealt with the ideas of uh receptors and and serotonin and dopamine mm-hmm. so did you see a movie called inside out
1: yes i did
0: What was we'll dive in. I'll ask more specific questions because first my impetus for doing this episode and for Mm -hmm. contacting you was this movie. So uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, I don't care what age you are. My recommendation is that you go do it right now without hesitation. But my question for Georgia then is what, what did you think?
1: Well, okay, so for me, it's a little bit hard to watch a movie that deals with psychology because, um, like, it's almost like dealing with a movie that's dealing in your field. So if they're dealing with, like, programming and they're doing it and it's a little bit off, it bugs you.
0: Which is exactly why I'm talking to you.
1: Yeah, because I was like, ah, oh. Oh, I don't like. I don't like what they're trying to do with this, and like, like, and they're little tiny niggly things that really don't matter about like the main purpose to the movie, which is a, a cute movie about learning how to, that your emotions are there for a purpose and you should listen to them, which I fully agree with and thought that it was a cute movie. But I found it so difficult to kind of um, take off my therapy hat and enjoy the movie because it was so stuck in the main thoughts of, you know, emotions and memory and what are their roles in who we become and where we are.
0: See, I, the whole time I was watching it, the only thing that nagged me was if I had someone connected to brain science next to me, what would they be saying? Right. Because based on my more limited secondhand understanding of the concepts presented, I thought they did a, a really good job of, of talking about modern uh, theories, my only my only like major niggle was the way that they presented the subconscious seemed like it was a very slow moving abyss, and I don't that's not my my understanding of how the subconscious works, but overall, like the way they handled the the emotions that were damaged, her shutdown. You know, halfway through the movie and then her recovery was it, it was in, enlightening to me and I hopefully factual that these things can be temporary, these things can be recovered from once a person shuts down, they're not gone.
1: You know, it's um, it's a really interesting thing because they 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 did they actually studied psychology, they did a really good job of the background of trying to make sure that they would deal with. Really well with the roles of emotion play and with memory. And it is true. You know, like our brains are really am- amazing in that they forget things. And that's important to our own mental health that we learn that. Things that have strong emotional attachments are things that are going to be kept for us, and that's absolutely true. We don't remember most of what happens in the day because it doesn't have a really strong emotional attachment to it, and so it gets lost, which is important because why should we keep stored, which is using up storage in our mind, things that are not really going to be pertinent to our survival, and that's why the, the main emotions um, are kind of the ones that are most important to us. Yeah. And so, you know, you have a really strong reaction, you get scared of something that's really important to our own survival to remember that something makes you feel good. That's also really important to our own survival so that we will continue that it's like our natural reward process. Um, you know, I, I found that, um, you know, it, the other really important theme that they had was that Even negative emotions are really important to listen to. And I think that we don't like to do that, right? We don't want to feel sad. We don't deal really well with sadness. So we kind of try to push it away or hide from it or do avoidance activities. And that's when we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble. And the same thing for anxiety. We can often avoid, like if you're anxious, there's a reason for it. It's not just there for nothing. Except when it's not,
0: which is when you have to go get treatment.
1: Right. But even when it's not something happens, it is not even if you are, say, you're dealing with um, a fear of, I don't know, let's let's use an inanimate object like a cup of milk, like you could just say to yourself, well, there's something wrong with me. That would be the wrong assessment. Something at some point in your, you know, growth, something happened. Maybe you were looking at a glass of milk. Like Freud famously did studies on his own daughter, which, um, you know, created <laughs> fears in her. A horrible thing to do. It's why psychotherapists and psychologists get such a bad rap. Um, and he actually caused fears and anxieties in people from nothing. From an inanimate it was a bunny rabbit. She loved the bunny rabbit. Then every time she held the bunny rabbit, he made a loud noise. Eventually she was terrified of this bunny rabbit. And so even to something like that, it's helpful to know where it came from. And if you're claustrophobic and you know that, well, the reason was my sister, you know, locked me into a cupboard and wouldn't let me out as I cried and screamed. You can say at least that makes you feel, you know what, I can make full sense of why I would go through this and it makes it easier kind of going forward. Um, So even for those ones, I think that we're too quick to dismiss and not wanting to look at what created maybe, you know, I avoid confrontation. Well, why is that? Well, my dad was, you know, really, you know, maybe was very loud or maybe aggressive. or And so I learned as a child, it was adaptive when I was a child to avoid that because it was dangerous and damaging to me. And now it's maladaptive because I'm older and, you know, it's easier to say, OK, I can let that go because I no longer need that.
0: Yeah, I th- these are these all ring true for me. Um. Uh, see with freud's experiments yes as as h- horrific as they sound to us today and you could never get away with them and publish any kind of clinical study today yes they were crucial to understanding some of these things
1: yeah i they feel were. like
0: <laughs> i feel like if if we hadn't if he hadn't performed those experiments so that we could judge him now we brain science would have been set back. Like the idea of shaping fear and anxiety, yes. and building those core memories. We, I, I don't know if we would have come to those conclusions because we're scared of throwing lizards at people and and demonizing inanimate <laughs> objects.
1: Right. Right, though we could probably do, now we know that we could probably do it through animal studies. And though that's also cruel and horrible. Like in the end, you know, yeah, we we have definitely learned we've we've learned the the right and wrong ways in order to go through things. Um, but there was some good in all of that, and you know, the the same thing with like attachment theory. Like so, so all of these experiments are very important to what we know of how we behave and why we do things. And so I think that the movie did a good job of putting together the reason why certain memories are consolidated into long term, they go from short term to long term, whereas most things kind of go into the short term, our mind says, not really that important, and they get kind of wiped from memory. And, you know, neurons that, you know, fire together, wire together. And so the more that you think something or do something, the stronger that emotional attachment will be and that neuronal connection will be. And you will remember that for a longer period of time.
0: I okay so re- regarding a point you made earlier one of my fascinations with the movie was the way that they demonized sadness the way we all tend to mm-hmm. but then made her a required part of the emotional spectrum mm-hmm. like the yeah. the memories couldn't like the personality couldn't have congealed without the effects of sadness combined with the other emotions and that was i i really appreciate that because a a less in-depth a less well-researched movie would have allowed sadness to be what was conquered so that joy could win
1: right 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 i think that that's a really exceptionally important point that you made there because we often do that and that that ends up not being really great for our mental health. So we often try to push away negative thoughts, uh, emotions, feelings, and just kind of brush them aside. I think that a lot of us do that because they're too painful, uh, too embarrassing, you know, too hurtful to kind of think of. And so we cut them out from us and try to hide them or avoid them or not deal with them. And that's exceptionally maladaptive. We need all of our emotions. There are, every once in a while, I will meet someone um, that has come in to get help and they're missing a main core emotion. Like they are not able to cry or they're not able to get angry. And that's a huge red flag. Oh, that's sure. a huge red flag of that, you know, to the point where they can no longer, even if they want to, they cannot, you know, go there. Whereas at one point they could. There, There's a lot of like psychodynamic kind of work. We have to go back into the past of why they chose to, Um, And often it's, you know, a cause of like trauma or or abuse or or someone they did not want to become. And so we have to listen to, we feel a way and feelings are never wrong. Like you could say that the reason for it is wrong, fine. Or maybe you've misassessed a situation, fine. But the feelings themselves are not wrong. And it's really important for us to know that we need to listen to why we feel that way Understand it, validate it, and then what do we do about it? And if we just avoid them, that's when you're gonna get sick, or you're gonna feel really frustrated or angry, and it's it's gonna end up with you know maybe an anxiety depression, you know all kinds of different things. Anger issues are gonna come out because of that. You can't bottle it up.
0: I feel like the movie did a very good job of, of summarizing that. I yes. mean, yeah, probably you know from an overview perspective, but still they address that very well.
1: Yes. And I think that a wonderful thing is that we were often taught, you know, 30 years ago, we were taught that, you know, especially for men that, you know, boys shouldn't cry and, you know, you're just then being a baby and that, you know, um, you know, this is just for the week. And so I think that that was also really important is that they said that this plays a role with us. There's a reason for that. And, you know, I loved when sadness kind of just sat and just listened and just heard and validated and was there, and that was okay too and and so I thought that that was really wonderful, especially for our boys, and also for for our girls, just to say that that's all right, and you shouldn't make fun of that or demean it
0: i used to I used to not cry, not because my parents brought me up that way, but because I'd get beat up in school for it. Ah, oh. but I have to admit that there was a point in this movie when uh the imaginary friend which in my opinion represented childhood imagination in general he he sacrificed himself and allowed himself to be forgotten and that made me cry there were tears on my face in the theater oh,
1: oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah that that was um that was such a great moment. I'm a crier. I just am. <laughs> I've always been, I always thought, you know, that after doing therapy for a while, I wouldn't like burst into tears when someone <laughs> tells me I could, but I do, I still do. It's, it's just never really kind of gone away. Um, but I was bawling at that point in time, like absolutely a mess. I was an absolute mess. You know, but I thought it, it was, it was plen- a sadness and mixed
0: with joy because it was a very meaningful self-sacrifice. And so you have those two emotions playing in into the same memory there. Right. Um, so I also noticed that the imaginary friend, if you looked at him with a glance, he was a pink elephant. Yes. And pink elephant in my history has always represented alcoholism. Really? Yes. Uh, huh. The pink elephant, you know, like if you go back to the 20s, it was uh, the representation of being drunk. It was the, uh, what's it? synonym no metaphor metaphor for drunkenness and over time it came to in my world which is heavily based in 12 steps these days um it came to represent a certain level of uh, addiction oh,
1: and wow. the idea
0: yeah. as it as it progressed i'm watching it from that perspective and this imaginary friend at that point has the potential to become escapism He has the potential to become a need for that escape. But instead, as as a normal person would have, he sacrifices himself and allows her to mature emotionally.
1: Right. Right. I think that's a great a great way of of describing it. I, I do think it was that thing of that you can, you know, enjoy your 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 childhood, but you can also, you know, use it as an avoidance of like growing up. And you yeah. can be stuck there. And uh yes, I can I can see how that would also make um seem true for addiction as well.
0: Alright. Well that, that answers that answers a good number of my questions about what, what what it would have been like to have a psychologist next to me while watching <laughs> that movie. I have to you ask. You see it
1: would have been great though, because I was like ah oh, I was like, oh no, don't ah, oh, really they'll so, well, like see. Either.
0: I'm annoying to people around me because I analyze things as best I can. And then be on top of that, I'm conscious of what people who really know <laughs> know their job would be analyzing. And so I become the guy who is both analyzing and wondering about analyzing and fail to experience the movie in the way other people do. Right. But I've never... I, I don't know. I feel like I have a deeper appreciation for a good movie because of that.
1: Right, right. Exactly.
0: I was during Furious 7, I was in the front row swearing very loudly <laughs> because it was so bad and everyone else was willing to accept it as a uh, an action movie, but I, I couldn't take it. Like I was analyzing the 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 shots, the the writing. The, they didn't even have good props. The cars weren't even really? right. Yeah. so I thought was. thought that
1: they would have been able to at least get the cars right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but no, I was swearing. For, until they showed the Paul Walker memorial. And then I had to shut up. Because, you know, he's dead. And respect right. and everything. And that's how they ended it. So you couldn't walk away feeling really mad. But I ruined it for everyone in the theater. <laughs>
1: well, that's not right either.
0: But deservedly so. That was the worst movie of the year. So that I wanted to ask you, you you talked about drama therapy. Yes. Which I really had no concept of until this season of Orange is the New Black, which allows me once again to tie psychological principles into media. Right. (laughs) Have you watched (laughs) this new season?
1: I have not. I stopped watching it um, uh, mid-second season. It's just I don't know. It got a little bit more. I don't really. I'm not very fond of of shows that are too campy, and it kind of just went over the edge a little bit for me. I loved the characters and I. Yeah. I like the way that they dealt with it, so I fully understand why people enjoy it. But it kind it, of went too much into the camp thing, and I went, okay, I gotta pull out. It's not serious.
0: Yeah, well, and see, I took a long time to start season three for that exact reason. I felt like I had trudged through the end of season two. Yeah. But season three has been a whole new level of interesting to me. They're still tying in a lot of the uh, dramatized sections of the story, but they're also, as far as I know, beyond anything that was originally written and they are writing new territory now. Um, much the way Game of Thrones is at this point, right? But, um, but uh, one of the aspects is they bring in a new guard who is, uh, I believe, has a background in psychotherapy, huh. and she begins a drama therapy group, and right. all the girls start showing up for it, and they're allowed to, at first, reluctantly, act out stories from their own life, hmm. and and write their own endings. And dramatize them, and in the process, uh, most of them, many of them, get really into it. They they find it to be a really great outlet. And prior to seeing that, prior to seeing the entire process behind that, I would have scoffed honestly at the idea of of drama therapy in general. And it took it took watching the transitions really well written. <laughs> by the way, uh, Mm -hmm. transitions of these girls to realize there's a lot to be said for acting things out for dramatizing.
1: Yes. Like drama therapy. It's wonder, like everyone has a different way that they feel comfortable expressing themselves. So for some people, it might not be drama. Some people, it might be art. Some people, it might be straight up talk therapy, uh, music, dance, sometimes doing a sport, um, But in that, you know, that you can relive something and so you can go there and you can validate it and there's other people there to support you. And you can then, you know, go through what should have happened and kind of mourn that loss of what hurt you. And it's wonderful for healing a wound that you might have had really far back. And it also reduces that feeling of Um, shame which comes from hiding something that you feel that you can't share with anyone else and so you know it it it's it's very healing
0: see i think i think to me the reason drama strikes me as so effective is because you're not doing it alone yes and i mean things like art and dance don't work as well in my mind if you don't have an audience that is interacting But drama, especially if you're doing, if you're dramatizing and you're writing parts for other people to play and then you have an audience to play to, it becomes a healing experience or has the potential to.
1: I think that it depends on the person. I think that for some things people would not want, feel comfortable sharing at first, you know, so for the first step. And for some people they may have social anxiety. So drama therapy would be really difficult at the beginning. To be able to do because they would feel, you know, if they are not able to really talk, to be able to act something out is often even more difficult uh, for people. And so I think that it has a place. I don't think that it is the only way. And for some people, they would do drama. Even there's drama therapy that you do one on one as well. And so there isn't other people to watch as an audience. And so I think that that's why it's really wonderful. And the better that you know yourself, you'll know which types of therapies will will work for you and which ones you will enjoy because therapy should be enjoyable they, like often <laughs> you can't it can't be all happy and as uh, you know sandra often says like a warm bath but it shouldn't be um unpleasant either but,
0: and or you, there should be a reward you should feel better when it's over
1: sometimes yes sometimes you won't sometimes you won't moment. feel better but um oftentimes you should which if is you, really nice
0: if you don't feel better when it's over, does it mean something went wrong, or or is that just a process?
1: It's a pro- sometimes you're not going to feel better. Sometimes you've uncovered something about yourself that you really didn't want to know. If you, you know, if if you're dealing with you know a personal issue that you know, and you just finally realize, oh my goodness, I have an anger problem, or I've hurt the people that I've loved. You're probably not going to feel good after, and that's all right. Um, you it would probably be wrong if you did feel good afterwards. So. You know, sometimes the process is that it's an uncomfortable walk to walk, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't walk it because of that. But it shouldn't always be torturous and horrible, and it shouldn't always be just joyous and light and happy either. That's, you know, you know a warm bath, but it isn't where you grow. And so good therapy is in between being in the scalding hot water or in the warm bath, but somewhere where it's a little bit of a stretch for you. And that's where you'll grow and become someone different and learn something about yourself so that you will be more adaptive to deal with the world and those around you in the way that you will best reach your own goals.
0: The bath metaphor is funny um, because this show has a history of discussing showers, showers, and people who like very hot showers and very cold showers. And it has come up before that it's, you know, a process to stretch yourself in either direction. So you have just fit into a long running (laughs) theme on this show. (laughs) I think that's great. (laughs) All right. Well, that brings us to uh, the top three picks. And I, this goes round Robin. We do one pick at a time and I let you go first.
1: Okay, so um, my first one is a toy, um, but I've just got him and I love him, and so I'm gonna share him with everyone. And this is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually play it, but I'm gonna turn it down so that I don't cause everyone their ears to go. So this is my BB8. It's a uh, little tiny sphero, which is a ball that you can control with your phone or a tablet, and. It's from Star Wars, and he's cute because he's a little ball with a head that's magnetized on that makes cute noises, and when he launches, he has all of the different Star Wars music, (laughs) and then you put him in, and he just makes these cute little noises. You can control him, you can use voice commands, and he's really adorable.
0: What kind of voice commands?
1: You can tell him to wake up run away, say, it's a trap, and he just runs in one direction. <laughs> you can tell him to go to sleep. You can ask him, How, what are you thinking? And he makes little cute noises. He also has, like, three LEDs inside of him, so he changes colors. Um, the only thing that I find is, one, is his, he doesn't have a sound chip inside of him. And so he doesn't make any noises himself. The the phone does for him. And the hmm. other is he doesn't have any like follow me. Like I would just like him to follow me around all day. And so he doesn't have that. But he's absolutely adorable. He's a little bit expensive, so you wouldn't want. Um, you know, it's not for really young children. But he's he's just a really cute little uh, robot friend.
0: So it, it's it's really a toy for Star Wars nerds, though. And.
1: I love robots. Like, I'm not really... I like Star Wars, but I don't love Star Wars. But you I,
0: know Star Wars. You get the I jokes. Do, you get the, it's I, a I'll trap. Be honest,
1: I, it's, so, it's so cute. I don't, I don't think that I would care. I would just love to have this little tiny robot that follows me around. Most people that I show him to are just like, they just think he's adorable because he's adorable looking. Um, but yes, it's more leaning towards Star Wars fans. I... Um,
0: th- the the first thing that sold me on jj J. abrams doing the new star wars was that robot Yes. because i read about it and it was there was no cg they built this no, robot they
1: did they did <laughs> it was they, the equivalent used... of a
0: puppet yeah. a, a puppet jabba
1: yes yes they they built him he's he's adorable like the sphere one by the way is, is immensely tiny by the way you'll be shocked with how small he is he's like the size of like a tennis a little bigger than a tennis ball but not much um but i love the fact that jj abrams is actually doing he's building everything and so it's not going to be all cgi makes a huge difference to movies
0: well i think after watching the public's reaction to the prequels uh anyone who followed that would know would know better than to replace characters with cgi i would hope we would hope (laughs) hope. i have high hopes for 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 this movie
1: i totally don't but um I'm I'm hoping that I will be wrong.
0: See well and this this comes back to a psychological issue for me is and I wrote about this on my blog recently I am an eternal like incorrigible optimist.
1: That's wonderful though.
0: And I I it's not about expectations. I I will just if I'm really optimistic about something and have very high expectations and it fails to meet them, I just move on. I'm done. That was, you know, it's not worth any more time to me. But I really love pessimists. Like <laughs> if there weren't pessimists in my life to balance out my optimism, I would mm-hmm. basically be manic all the time.
1: Right, right.
0: <laughs> with no no nothing to stop me, no consequence in mind. Right. And uh and I feel like that's a very a balance that needs to be struck in the balance. world. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well my first pick is um as I told you pre-show, uh, I've had some issues with having my uh, ADHD meds cut off. Yes. And for a few months, I had to really, really find workarounds on my own, uh, which it's, a, I think, a good thing that I should have experienced a while ago. But one of the things I went back to was a method that I had appreciated but not stuck with called Pomodoro. And, uh, and it's a, it's a technique for working where you, you set a timer, you do 20 minutes of work, you take a five minute break, then repeat that cycle four times, and then you get a longer break. And that structured like, okay, for 20 minutes, I can do that. I can work. I can get this done. So you work and then you get your break and you come back with a kind of fresher mind. Mm -hmm. And that, that really worked for me. And at the same time I discovered a newer app, the developer actually, contacted me about it. It's called Zen Timer. And on a Mac it gives you a little fractal generated tree. And over the twenty minute period or whatever interval interval you set, the tree grows on your desktop.
1: Awesome.
0: And I I did I wrote this up for backstories last week, but I really like it. When you set it to transparent and you tweak the colors to match your wallpaper, it just it grows there. So I keep it on an auxiliary monitor on the side. And it just kind of, it somehow induces me to keep focused. And then at the 20 minute point, all the leaves fall off and they fall to the bottom of the desktop.
1: Beautiful.
0: Right. Exactly. It adds a beauty to the That's idea great. of a timer.
1: Yes. I love that. Cause I do that for any activity that I really don't want to do. I'll give <laughs> myself 15 minutes yeah. um, and I'll just, I will set the timer, but I'm setting like a timer on the phone, which can cause some anxiety. I will set the timer on the phone, and then I get some sort of like horrible sound effect after, because the iPhone sound effects are, yeah, and um, and so I usually watch the timer to kind of keep me going, inspire me, and to let me so that I know that there's going to be an end to it. And so often, I will, um, you know, have to, you know look, look through it, I get it done. And then I feel a little bit better because it's that getting started. Like once body in motion, that's great, but it's the hardest thing is getting started on a long or arduous task. And so I think I'm going to look that up.
0: Yes. Uh, There's uh, just about every, whether it's depression, anxiety, or ADHD, all of those make anything that is the slightest bit overwhelming, impossible to start. You just, you can't make yourself Start, but if you break it down and say for 20 minutes, I'm going to do the first step of this, and yeah. then you're rolling, yeah, and then you go, yeah, I like that, and then that. you feel
1: accomplished and it's done. But I like the fact that it's a tree instead of looking at a timer, which causes more anxiety, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, do you are you familiar with clear tones? No, if you want to fix the alert sounds on your phone, look up clear tones. It's, uh, it's a whole a set of acoustic alerts and ringtones uh, based off of things like wood blocks and, and uh, gongs and light bells and like mostly wood. Hmm. But they are very, they're, it's soothing. Your phone can, your alarm can go off and actually make you happier than more anxious.
1: Right. I like that. I like that. Right. I like the idea of watching the tree grow too.
0: All right. Well, number two for you.
1: Okay, so this one is one that I, I review a lot of different applications. Um, and so some of them I continue using and some of them I don't. But there's one app that I really love, and it's called Dialer. And so what it does is you can put your uh, top phone calls that you want to call, and it's just immediately accessed on any of your screens just by pulling down. And so it goes right underneath when, when you deal with your today and so you pull down your today for your iPhone, you end up with, you know, these buttons, and you just press them, and it immediately dials whichever number you want to. And so I never have to worry about, you know, pressing it, and then there's six different numbers. And then which of those numbers do I have to, it's just an icon, you press it, it calls them, there's no issue. And I use it all the time. Like, I would say like two, three times a day, that's an app that I use. And it just saves me time, effort and stress. I don't have to like ask Siri to call for me and then they're calling the wrong number or try to find it on iMessages. I love it.
0: So it's like a favorites for your favorites.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like a favorites for your favorites, but just that fast action. It has the main number. It's done
0: yeah. pretty icon. That is, that could be a serious productivity boost for people who have too many phone numbers. Yes. There's only like six people I ever call, so I can, use, I can use my choice of my favorites page or my reasons.
1: Right, right. But you have to go to there. Yes. This is the nice thing is that you just slide down. It's there.
0: That is very cool.
1: See, I, I and can just, I guess it can speak to our level of la- laziness, but, you know, trying to search around takes up mental energy for me to find where am I, where are they, where are the context? where did I move that? And it's just, I don't want to have to even do that.
0: As someone with ADHD, I, uh, that searching process is not a problem for me, but I will always find something else first that is more interesting. Right. Or that I feel needs attention immediately. <laughs> just the, the act of turning on my phone is immediate distraction.
1: Right. I've right. turned
0: off almost all badges and notifications because of that. Wonderful. And still, still, I'll just see an icon and be like, oh, I should check that. <laughs> and Should then he? I turned my phone off and realized I didn't even find out what time it was. Right, right. Which was the only reason I turned it on. You to turned begin it with.
1: on in the first place. I actually, <laughs> my phone doesn't have anything. It doesn't beep, buzz or ring. It does nothing. It just stays there quietly. It will give me like a pop up for uh, iMessages.
0: Yeah. Like, or email. Yeah, but iMessages and no Slack nice. for me. Yeah. Because those are things that actually require attention. Right. All right. Well, <laughs> my second pick is, is is similar in name. It's an app uh, called Dictator. Oh. And uh, it's E-R, not O-R. It's not a Stalin-esque reference. Uh, what it does is replace the OS X default sound services where you can select text and have it start uh, text-to-speech and read it to you. Yeah. But it adds things like play, pause, you can skip forward and backwards by sentence or paragraph. Uh, you Ooh. can replay the last sentence. It gives you a progress indicator inside of a teleprompter mode, which will actually highlight the parts of the audio or the text that it's reading to you as it goes along, which can be useful. Uh, it's it's that's an option. You don't need that all the time, but it works the same way. You just you right click on selected text and you click uh, dictate and it opens up a tiny little pop up with the fast forward and rewind and play pause which is a big improvement over the default text to speech it actually makes it useful to me it's always been useful to people with accessibility issues huh,
1: wonderful. but now
0: now it's actually it's it's useful and this is a free app that he's published as an open source application so it is uh, I'll I'll add a link and it's ready to download and you can give it a shot
1: very cool.
0: All right. So, your your last pick.
1: So, this one is a movie. Um, and uh, it's funny because when I saw it, I didn't really expect anything from it. I didn't think I was really going to like it. Um, but it's uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, my God, yes. And um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. It's, now, this movie is not? It's not a movie that you're going to leave with you know, some sort of an epiphany afterwards. But there are certain things, aspects of this movie that I do think are, you know, pro-social and I found very impressive. So the first thing is that they did all the special effects. So the, if, spoilers, I'm just going to say something. If there, there might be a couple of spoilers. If you haven't seen it, go see it and then come back to the podcast. But there's a, a tanker that gets destroyed. They really blew up the tanker. Yes, It's phenomenal phenomenal but i loved i loved the manner in which they showed women and people with disabilities and even bad guys Mm -hmm. that all of them were awe-inspiring to me so the main character played by charlize theron and she played with like no hair, like she's stunningly gorgeous even without any hair. But um, she was raw. She's missing an arm, and so and she was the heroine of the entire story. And she played it, and it was fabulous. And so I had to say hats off to that one. Um, at one point, she actually knocks someone out with the stump of her arm, and I just went, that is. So awesome. (laughs) Loved it. Um, Also, the way that they showed older women. There was a lot of older women in the movie, and they were not shown as frail or weak or evil or needing of help. They were phenomenal and cool and epic, which we've done a lot in our culture for older men. But it's exceptionally rare for older women unless they're like a witch or like an old queen. <laughs> but they're not really doing anything. These women were part of the action. They were integral. They were really cool and, and I just thought that was just absolutely epic. And I really enjoyed it. There was like the milking scene which I was like, uh, ah, okay. That one they cut <laughs> it out for me. But okay. They they have some cool Well, but aspects. that was
0: that was integral to developing the perception. Of the ruling classes' treatment of women.
1: Fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I have to say, I cringed a little to it. Oh, well, sure. I a little well, to
0: it. I mean, anyone who doesn't cringe at some point in that movie is 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 completely numb. But right,
1: right. And even yeah. even they they had a bad guy that ended up being even if they're a bad guy, they they have you know they're not all bad, and it might be See. just you know being blinded by the main culture's way of looking at things. And so there was also like a little bit of redemption as well, which I thought was wonderful.
0: See, I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea of good guys and bad guys. And my favorite movies yes. are ones that leave gray areas. Yes, thank
1: that you. That make you
0: wonder: is mm-hmm. this a bad guy, or mm-hmm. is it a good guy who went bad, or is he somewhere in the middle, like every human being in the world? Yes,
1: everyone exactly. Everyone thinks
0: they're a good guy.
1: Yes, and yes. everyone
0: does some bad things. Yes.
1: Beautifully said. I, I'm exactly the same way, actually. That's movies that are, are filled with gray. I find are most interesting, especially um, the main characters of the story. I think that if they are too good, it's why I find Superman boring. I'm sorry. Yes. Don't send me yes. hate tweets. Um, but that's the reason why is that he's just if he's always going to do the right thing, then I'm I'm bored already. I like the struggle, and you know, so I would right. You know, well, in really Max try.
0: himself in this movie, he, he was a secondary character yes. to begin with. And he was pretty indifferent for the most part. Yes. Like he didn't play the hero. No. He was practically a bystander. Yes. It was, uh, yeah. And and, I mean, you add on top of that, the fact that it is over two hours of nonstop action. Yes. Like it never takes a breath. And that was amazing. And it stayed true to the campiness of Mm -hmm. one and two and three to some extent, the Thunderdome. But, uh, you know it it paid respect to its predecessors while building an entirely new perspective yeah. i loved it
1: yeah and i i you know it it's very rare for movies when they're they're redoing films and they're they're adding on to a legacy to, to actually get better this one i really enjoyed it was a lot of fun and they they could have just said we're just going to make the easiest fastest movie that we can
0: and they would have made furious 7 st-
1: <laughs> exactly Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and they didn't this was this was well worth watching and I I all the way to the end it was great.
0: I I 100% wholeheartedly more than ever before support this pick. <laughs> Good. This and Inside Out I would list yes. as the decade's top top <laughs> films. I didn't even get to to the part where I wanted Inside Out is is representative to me of Pixar's moving on from making children's movies and using a medium that to do things that can't be replicated with mm-hmm. live action, but in a, in a story that's really geared towards adults.
1: Yes. Well, so I think everyone left with something from the movie.
0: Yeah. Well, and we, I said to my friends that you could watch this as a young child, watch it again as a pubescent teenager, watch it again as a young adult and or parent, and watch it again as an elderly human and see a different movie every single time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right.
0: I didn't mean to jump back to Inside Out, but.
1: No, but you're absolutely right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my last pick is Blink 2.0. Uh, Blink uh, came out a while ago, 1.0, and it's uh, it's a little app for iOS that lets you get affiliate links quickly to apps or albums or songs on the iTunes app store. Or iTunes, I guess, would be the correct term. Um, and it, if you... Sign up for the affiliate program, and you have the account. This helps it helps you make any link really quickly for a blog post or even just for Twitter um, or Facebook. What wherever you want to post a link to one of these things, you could be making money off of it. And I recommend that everybody Very who, cool. who ever posts this stuff does it because there, you know, you're not going to get rich, but you might as well get paid because it doesn't cost the people who click it anything. And they're going to click it anyway, so why not get your 7% out of that? Yeah. Um, but anyway, Blink 2.0 adds all the iOS 9 features you'd want. Uh, it actually it it supports 9 plus now only, uh, but it gives you the split screen multitasking uh, where it's supported and external keyboard shortcuts. Um, you can have multiple affiliate tokens now if you have multiple accounts and you can nickname them. And you can edit links within the extension as you are creating them. Uh, Within the app now, yeah, it's altogether, if you, all right, A, get an affiliate account, and B, if you have an affiliate account, get Blink 2.0.
1: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. You might as well, while you're giving the link.
0: There was a a backlash for a while against people who used affiliate links, and it was almost immediately quashed because it really doesn't hurt the readers in any way. It only benefits, benefits the person who's providing them with recommendations. Right. Yeah. So. Might as well. In defensive affiliate links.
1: <laughs> right. All
0: right. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you. People can find you at Georgia underscore Dow, D-O-W, on Twitter. And uh, there, is there a good list of all the podcasts you're on? Because the iMore page is a little bit out of date.
1: It is um, on Twitter. I have a few of them, um, but I don't actually have like my own page anywhere that like has all of the things that I do. Um, so most of them are on Twitter, and then yeah, I, I don't really have a central oh. location for maybe. I yeah, didn't even sh-
0: get to the anxiety videos.
1: Right, right. I do I do that too. <laughs>
0: I feel we, we should, at the very least, talk quickly about that right now. So sure. there's at anxiety-videos.com. Yeah. You provide uh, a kind of a self-service, don't you?
1: Yeah. So if you're you know shy or you don't feel comfortable or as an adjunct to your own therapy, um, we're doing a home series of, um, I was going to say tapes, <laughs> videos in order to treat your anxiety at home. And so you can get them through digital download, and we have now Session 1, Session 2, and Sleep, um, which is a special series just if you're not sleeping well. And so we're going to go through what the basics that we would go through in session. And so it's myself and Sandra Reich, who runs the Montreal Centre for Anxiety and Depression, and is an absolutely phenomenal Top-notch therapist, uh, one of the best in Montreal and all over doing uh, radio and TV shows about uh, anxiety, depression and other issues as well. And so you can check that out. It's I think it's nice because I think it'll help people that don't want to deal with the stigma or to have to find the right therapist, which can be really hard. Um, well, so I think it's it extremely
0: out. valid because there's there's nothing that deserves a uh, do-it-at-home uh, video more than anxiety disorders yeah especially if it's social anxiety yes yes for sure
1: <laughs> for sure you know, definitely, and it's a, it's a nice way to kind of learn about it at your own pace. You can relook at things, so even a lot of my clients have one, because then they can relook at different issues that we've already spoken about, and instead of taking that time in therapy, they can relook at their own, at their home, remember something, like when you're, you know, you can only remember a certain 10 to 20 percent of everything that's being said, so you can go back and then reflect and think about it, you know, as you need, and then continue at your own pace.
0: Excellent. I will make that one of the top links as an apology for not getting the plug in <laughs> yeah. earlier.
1: No, it's fine.
0: <laughs> All right. So yeah, and uh, and you can find her at uh, Imore if yes. you go to. Uh, I think you have your own page on Imore. I Don't think I to, do. Yes, you do. Um, yeah, Imore slash Georgia Dash Dow. You have you like the dashes and underscores? I suppose you know Imore what? made there the dash decision. There is another Georgia
1: Dow out there, and they've stolen all of the georgia dows so i had to like i got into oh, the you, game you don't team. want
0: to be georgia dow too
1: no or like 2000 <laughs> or something no i was like i'll just do the the regular georgia yeah da- so we <laughs> have dash instead it's like dash or it's underscore if it's just blank it's if. yeah it's close
0: fair enough fair enough <laughs> all right well it was great talking to you thanks for taking the time
1: thank you so much
0: And uh, that was episode 150, and we'll see everybody in a week.